This is number three in a series of nine, counting down to celebrate 100 episodes of the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast, talking everything business and content. Tomorrow, on Tuesday, June 4th, Sharon Hurley-Hall will be my guest and we'll be talking about content marketing, something I do every single day in my business. How about you? Sharon is absolutely awesome, so make sure you tune in. I think you'll find our content marketing discussion goes a bit beyond the usual. So stop in tomorrow and hear from the highly respected Sharon Hurley-Hall. I'm so excited for you to hear from Sharon. I'm also very excited to talk to you today about the future of the podcast. This is your host, Sue Ann with Right Mix for Business, and that's right with a W-R-I-T-E, rightmixforbusiness.com. And I have to say, it took me a minute to decide whether to continue the podcast. If you've been listening to this relaunch pre-launch series, you know that, like my mom, I'm making a big comeback and starting it off with this kickoff to 100 shows. But it was a big decision, you know. I mean, Oprah, Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, and a million other people who are Oprah's friends, and lots and lots of bloggers and rock stars and businesses of every type and style are podcasting. So who the heck am I? <sighs> sure, I have 30 years of owning a business. I have five years as a freelance content creator for businesses. But still, am I... Crazy or what? Besides, podcasting takes a lot of work. Plus, when you take a break from something, especially for as long as I did while I was helping my mom, it's difficult to come back. But here I am. So why? Well, first, I'm doing the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast and reaching out for the Big 100 for all the same reasons, really, I initially started the show. Well, you know, except for the dare part. But anyway, reasons like these things that I wrote in an article for my friend Sarah at Sark Media um, a while back. But with audio content, you can reach a new audience. You can repurpose your quality or key content. You can reach customers, but in a new way. You can add a narrative to your core communications. You can add a voice and a personality to your brand. You can increase marketing and media mix options with audio options. You can find creative ways to craft your digital space in another realm. You can also grow authority and recognition in your industry. You can offer content in an easy-to-consume format for people on the go. You can increase your audience by offering valuable audio programming. And you can show off a little bit with some thought leadership, some creativity, and new ideas. You can also expand on topics from your website, your articles, or your relevant current events out there that you know, impact your industry and that you want to talk about. You can also work on finding your voice, practicing presentation, t 
teaching and scripting skills, which that last one is a biggie for me. But let's see. It seems to me that's a bunch of good reasons right there. Right there, you have all kinds of reasons to think about adding an audio component to your business plan if you're thinking about starting a podcast. But for me, and for making my decision to do this podcast continually, there was a lot more to it. The first thing that attracts me is that conveying information verbally lets you get a lot more of the nuances and the personality and the meaning delivered in that easy way to ingest. Um, Again, I can come to you while you're walking your dog, cleaning your house, working out, or maybe you're cooking while you listen. Cool. I get to connect with you and you don't even have to read a word or lift a finger. I think that's cool. Plus, it's fun. When I was a little girl, young girl, I'm not sure I was little, probably medium, but when I was a young girl, I used to walk around with a cassette tape recorder and I would mimic Mike Lang broadcasting the Pittsburgh Penguin hockey games. Maybe I always wanted to be on radio. Well, either that or I don't know. I always wanted to be ice skating anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Another thing, I like talking. I'm And I am enthusiastic, and I always have been. So doing work that's fun feels like a good fit to me. And most importantly, it lets me connect with you more intimately. The feedback I get on the podcast has been so positive and so rewarding. It delights me to help you. Business and content are things I can talk about all day and are also important to you and your business. Finally, a big reason and maybe the kicker to propel me to go on with the mix bizzle, mix, mix bizzle, mix sizzle and shake your business podcast is that In doing a lot of podcasting research and learning about the podcast world, really, and doing that research, it seems that shows, um, I came across a lot of evidence, let's say, and notice of stats indicating that there are a disproportional amount, number, less of shows by women than men. So, I'm really hoping to be a woman-hosted business podcast that delivers tons of valuable content each week that maybe brings you a thought, an idea, a lesson you can use in your business. Okay? So I hope you'll continue to support the show and tune in. If you have any input at all, please get in touch with me and let me know. I love the responses than the feedback that I've been getting and I'm trying to keep it going and do the best possible job for you. Okay, so let's talk about business and marketing in action that I've noticed this week. I'm going to give you a few examples that I came across over this past week and a lot of these examples really are real world examples of things that I've talked about on the podcast so far and are important in business and marketing. So let's talk about a few. The first is 
when we've been ta- I've been talking about, and I think I had you go over to visual contenting and read a um, does your brand make a stand article that I wrote over there. Um, because a lot of talk has been about brands aligning with customer values. And it doesn't have to be big social platforms or political platforms that you align with. And the more I think this over, the more I think this isn't so new. Um, When I started my first business back in, oh, the prehistoric times, I think it was, I had no employees, maybe maybe I'd one, one helper, and I wrote a mission, vision, and value statement for the business. The last time I revised the statement was in, I think, 2002, although it still maintains current validity all the years after because I revisited it. I just didn't have to change it because a mission, vision, and values is sort of a pretty solid statement about who you are and who you represent as a business. And many businesses have been doing this. They don't go outside of into political and social movement the way that marketing is now. But it still existed that your customers learned your values because they knew that by your service and your product and product and service offerings that they can't come to understand that you're reliable. They come to understand that you value important things like quality in your work, that you keep your word by not following up on anything that you say or delivering on any promises that you make. All these things are really value centered in how you conduct your business. So, Aligning values with customer values, even though it's being talked about a lot now, seems to me to be the basis of all business that happens between human beings really from probably the beginning of time, certainly from the beginning of me starting a business. But it's interesting today to see how more and more companies are bringing their values forward and they are entering the political and social justice arena. And that's great. But it doesn't have to be that every company does that. However, this week I ran into a really cute example, I think, of a product that is using a values-based premise to sell their wares. This company is called Notes to Self, and I think that they're a sock company (laughs) because they were on my socks, and um, there's a a tag on here. Now, these are little footy socks that you put just over your feet to put in your tennis shoes or whatever, like little footy, and it's beautiful. They're, They're beautiful. They're white with little pink on it, the pink writing on it and gray writing. And it says, I am in gray. And then pink says beautiful. So the note to self from this notes to self product line, which is made in the USA, incidentally, um, is I am beautiful. But for this pair of socks, the tag says $9.99. I feel this was a gift, but that's what they show as the listed retail price here, which for a little pair of sockies might seem a little expensive, but because it was probably a gift, you know, it was more than worth it to that person. And maybe if you 
feel good about a product like Mark Schaefer recently talked about in a Marketing Companion episode where he bought a sweater not because he needed the clothing, loved the clothing, had anything to do with the company prior, but because he wanted to stand behind the CEO who has made it a company-wide policy not to use plastic and therefore he wouldn't, he refused to purchased plastic in his travels and an article came out about it and anyway it, in, it instilled such a good feeling in Mark Schaefer that he bought a sweater he didn't need or want but he wanted to support the values of the company and I think this could work with notes to self here's what it says on the on the little sock label you know on the tag that came on the socks it notes to self this one is called I am beautiful and it says positive affirmations are phrases that we say to ourselves to build confidence and train our minds many of you probably use affirmations or have heard of it but they this continues to read they work on the subconscious which is most re uh, receptive early in the morning and late at night Look, they're even giving you, you know, guidelines on how to use affirmations. Then they say, at those times, notes to self, and they have their little trademark ditty, uh, notes to self products are there, improving your thoughts, actions, and performance, assisting you in creating the life of your dreams. Which is nice. I'm not sure how my socks are there unless I wear them to bed or wake up with them, <laughs> that they're there with me to comfort me. But Again, I think it's a beautiful, positive thing. What's even more interesting to me is that on the other side of the label, there's a small personal note. And I'm going to assume Laura is the owner of this company because the note says, I have, I have a notepad by my bedside for thoughts and ideas. These were born from those notes, products that would enrich lives one positive thought at a time one smile at a time and it signed Laura which is beautiful this tells the story in a really simple couple lines about how the company was started about Laura's values how she wants to be a positive thought bringer and thinker and she wants to bring smiles with her product now it does say that that's how this these products were born to you know these products that she's selling to enrich our lives again i'm not totally positive if this is completely just a sock line or if notes to self um sells other products but i think it's really neat and um if you want i'll show you a picture of the socks too but anyway, there is an example in the real world of a, now again, this isn't a highly political statement. This isn't a highly social movement type statement. But this is a tiny story with the values of this person who owns this company and what they wish to bring to the world. And it's easy to align yourself with someone who has a positive, you know, affirmation based, you know, talking to yourself in a way to say, I am beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Great job, Sarah. And there's a real world example of some of what we've been talking about with aligning values to customers. 
Secondly, <laughs> I'm only talking about this one because, <laughs> again, I'm referring to Mark Schaefer's marketing podcast, only this time um, I'm outing Brooks, Brooks, <laughs> Brooks Ellis. Brooke, you admitted that you watch, <laughs> of all things, The Housewives on Bravo, the whole, any Housewives from anywhere, you're hooked. And I find that so funny and so brave of you to announce on a podcast that I'm going to announce something that I watch <laughs> called Project Runway. Kind of a silly, fun show to me. I, I enjoy it. Uh, but I probably wouldn't be talking about it in general as one of my things I like, uh, except that I'm being authentic like Mark and Brooke, and I'm letting you know that there's an example this week in Project Runway that relates to marketing and relates to the marketing experience and how marketing is being changed in the world as a whole. Because on Project Runway, they, if you're not familiar, have contestants who are, you know, trying to build a career in design. So they have them design runway attire and they give them a challenge each week. Sometimes they have to make, for example, something out of junk that they get in a park or junk that they can find at a a junkyard, whatever, you know, an odd materials thing. Or sometimes they have to make an elegant gown or a gown for a celebrity that she could wear on the red carpet. These are the kind of challenges. Well, this week, the challenge was about an experience runway. And this is an interesting thing because it used to be that models that, um, um, I'm sorry, designers created designs for the fashion industry to be modeled on a runway, to be worn by a model, walked down in front of people, walked back. It was a pretty simple thing. Um, over the years and over time and over, you know, we're dealing with creatives, it grew, it got to be more experience-oriented. But now, you know, the whole industry is changing how the runway works, how the runway experience, the fashion show experience is a total package and an experience. It's very elaborate. It's big productions. So the wannabe designers were charged with creating a design to fit a mood room. So they had a room that they designed to fit with the design of the outfit on the model and then they had the model in the room so that when judges and people from the industry walked around they saw your design but set up in a setting in a in a room you were allowed in a way to give an experience with your design using the room the colors the feel and to create a little story if your if your design and your room experience gave the audience a feeling of a story if they were able to feel and understand your design better through an entire experience, those were the best possible outcomes. So it's interesting. I, I just want to bring up that it's interesting that it's a change in across the board in how you know really again I'm going to say that always marketing was an experience. But we didn't label it that way because what you did when you provided your product or service, you wanted to provide something that really was an experience for those people who you're providing it for. It was a good experience, you hoped. 
it was something that they could feel positive about by what kind of a job you did or, you know, what kind of a production you offered, what kind of service you gave. You know, it still, you, everything that you do, I guess, in marketing, and I've said this before, it gets back to the simple thing. Everything that you do as a business, as a person within your business, as how, as your business operates, this is all part of how your brand is, is experienced outside of it and how you project that brand out. So it all wraps up together, but again, the whole world is trying to create a mood, just like my Project Runway. And if you can create a mood that people feel when they think of your company or your brand, you're winning. Now, my third example is something that we've talked about many times, uh, or at least several shows on the podcast about UK Chow and his Octalysis framework, where he tries to identify and help you to understand behavioral motivation in people. So what makes them click? What makes them buy? What makes them take what makes a person take an action? What are the motivational things that induce people to take an action? And so out of Octalysis comes the concept of gamification and making things more attractive for people to participate. And this can be done in so many ways. But in today's real world example, I got my latest mail from Octalysis and Eric over there um, for UK Chow. And here's what we find out that the the Octalysis group has just completed a new program for da-da-da-da, Volkswagen, which I don't know about you, but I love a Volkswagen. One of my first cars was a Volkswagen. However, the Volkswagen Rewards and Loyalty Program was created by the Octalysis Group, and it is a rewards and loyalty program for customers of Volkswagen. So they're gamifying the rewards and loyalty program to their customers. I think it's a fabulous use of octalysis and gamification in the corporate world, in the business world, and something that's going to be really cool for people, people who are Volkswagen customers, people who are going to use this loyalty and rewards program anyway to service their vehicles, but now are going to be even more induced to do so because it's going to be fun. They're going to get extra rewards by cooperating, participating. I bet you it's going to be awesome. So look for Volkswagen to roll out the rewards and loyalty program as another example of things we talked about with human motivation, behavioral modification, and um, UK's uh, octalysis. Also, um, by the way, it's starting, if you're in Austria, it's being launched there, and eventually it will roll out to, are you ready for this, 90 million customers worldwide. So that's a pretty huge real-world use of some of the concepts that we've talked about here on the Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business podcast. So... I hope you enjoyed listening to the show today, and I hope you'll tune in tomorrow to hear from Sharon Hurley-Hall, and I have a couple more big announcements for you each day, counting down to the big 100, and this is three in the series of nine. 
Thank you for listening. This is Sue Ann on Mix, Sizzle, and Shake Your Business. So go out there and mix it. Sizzle it. Shake it up. All right. Thanks. Bye now. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. I'm back with the P.S. As I was getting ready to publish, I noticed that I need to make an edit because I think I called the lovely Laura from Notes to Self, you know, the Saki company that we talked about, the case of the Notes to Self socks. I think I called the lovely Laura Sarah. I don't know why. It's Laura. It's written right in front of me on the tag here. But out of my mouth came Sarah, I think. I apologize. Laura, notes to self, Sockies. Also, I noticed in some of the recording, you'll hear a little of the gravelly voice from a cold I've been trying to get rid of for a couple weeks now. So I, saw, I want to apologize if any of it sounds gravelly um, with that cold still stuck a little bit in there. And finally... In reference to the UK chow segment, I want to add one thing. I'm so fascinated uh, with gamification and all kinds of, I have so many ideas for uses in various corporate settings, like for corporate training and onboarding applications, for project management, and specifically, as in the case of Volkswagen, for creating customer experiences. There's so many possibilities. Also, I especially like the idea of gamification for creating intriguing online learning journeys, incentivizing students to complete online course offerings, because that's statistically something that online course creators are failing to do to get completion of a course. And so why not borrow from gamification and behavioral psychology of UK Chow and the Octalysis Principle to try to make it so that people have more fun while accomplishing the goal to the final result. Listen, don't forget, tomorrow, Sharon Sharon Hurley Hall will be here. And big news, more announcements. Thanks for listening. This time I mean it. Bye. Thanks for checking out this Right Mix for Business presentation. Remember, if you need to bling your blog or you need help with any content assets for your business, Right Mix for Business. Yup!